0: This is a strategist episode nine eighty five. My name is Zane Belcher. With me, as always, Corey Oak and Stephen Carter. Guys, happy Sunday! What is going on, Corey? Carter, don't speak. What's going on, Corey? How are you? I'll tell you what's not going on. Um,
1: the uh, the AFL. My mm-hmm. picks. I went seven for eight this this week, and I I was pretty impressed with myself. I thought that was pretty good. I almost went eight for eight, but unfortunately, yeah. one of the what, teams didn't yeah, do as one? well as I had hoped.
2: But, was Carter, it, hold was on. it Carter, the Crows Carter. winning? Because this is a remarkable story. <laughs> My, I had the exact same thing happen. No, that but can't the be Crows true. won. The Crows won. The Adelaide Crows against all odds won by one point. One point. Unbelievable. That's not real. So you're making things I'm, up this, now. I'm perfect. Yeah, it
0: doesn't sound believable, especially when yep. Corey just talks to you about what he's doing. You're just kind of stealing his content. This here. is stolen valor.
1: Steven,
2: <laughs> it's Anzac Day. There's two more games today. One is starting like literally right now. So, let's get this done so we can watch some uh, AFL.
0: Corey, Do you want to no, no, he's, he's
1: making finish. that up. There's no such thing as Anzac Day. I do I knew that
0: what I, I trust yep. you on this stuff. I why we got <laughs> a trusted source that we got you, Carter. This is why I trust Corey about this stuff. Uh Carter, yep. I need to Big ask day. I need to ask you before we move on. Carter, um yep. Ben Simmons, is he soft? Should he have played tonight?
2: Yeah, he should have played. Um you know what? It's it's the playoffs. It's time to suck it up and get in the game, for, for fuck's sake. There's no second chances.
0: Pretty good take, Corey. What do, what do you think? All right, he'll be ready for game eight. It's fine. Don't worry Sorry, about I'm it. talking about Carter's take. What do you think about Carter's <laughs> take? Sorry. I don't care what you think. think about what, why do you think I care? So, <laughs> that was a mistake of mine. Yeah,
1: yeah I walked good. into that. Rookie. Good. good, Anything else yeah.
0: you want to discuss up front,
1: or should we jump right into it? Well, we, um, we're we still selling tickets to the Edmonton Barry. show.
2: No, Barry. Oh, the show
1: Barry. Fuck the Edmonton yeah. show.
2: Who cares about the Edmonton show? Barry season three drops tonight. That's... So again, let's get this thing done. Let's go. Is, Is that, that how we're celebrating Anzac Day
1: with Barry season three?
2: Yeah, it's, uh, they, that's why they did it this way. Okay. That's oh, that's very excellent. Good. Thank you. Few... Yeah. Why why <laughs> keep going? Keep going. Move why? On. Let's do no what? I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. Let's do
0: strategy. Let's do strategy. Let's leave that bullshit there and move it on to our first segment. Our first segment, Share Reset. That's right. We are resetting the Jean Shere campaign. At least oh, externally we are resetting it. Guys, the Jean Charest campaign is in trouble. We may not actually know if it's in trouble on the inside, on, on, on memberships, on what they're selling, but It clearly, Stephen Carter, has an optics problem. It has a message problem. It may have an expectation game problem. I want to create some new rules for the Jean Charest campaign. And so what we're doing tonight on Sunday night is the two of you are going to be constructing a memo for the entire Jean Charest operation across the country. The two of you have been hired for this next 30 or 40 minutes to construct this memo on six key topics for Jean Charest. Uh, Six six topics You're going to give me a line or two on each round What the new rules are for the Jean Charest campaign So this gets funneled out To all of the organizers Fanned out to everyone across the country What are the new rules on rallies What are the new rules on media relations What are the new rules on Handlers, aides and support For Jean Charest What are the new rules on message Social media And finally, not necessarily a new rule But perhaps a new rule or new replacements in campaign leadership. This is this is what I want to hit on. So rallies, media relations, handlers slash aides, message, social media, and campaign leadership. But then I'll give you guys a chance to say, is there additional items that you want to create new rules about? But at least for those six things, I want to see if the two of you can come up with some new rules so that the Jean Charest campaign, regardless of how it's doing under the hood, doesn't look like a car that, uh, let's say, I own versus the car that the two of you own, but is on massive backorder, uh, <laughs> <laughs> which I guess makes my car better. Uh, so, Corey, I'm going to start with you. I want to talk about rallies. Jean-Trey is getting the shit beat out of him uh, in the public for his anemic rallies. In fact, he's gone, I don't even know why, to the same location as Pierre Polyev the day after, and has produced one one-hundredth of the crowd. And I And I think that's a slight exaggeration but not exactly so cory start with us what is if you're if you're putting the first sort of thoughts on the board on the whiteboard tonight under the section of rallies what are the new rules for the campaign as it relates to campaign rallies that you want to start and then carter i'll get you mold some of that wet clay cory puts out there well my first one
1: flows out of your intro here where you said we don't know what's happening underneath the hood we just know it's giving off a stink. This campaign is giving off a stink. There is turd
0: vibes. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Big <laughs> real turd, turd vibes, vibes. real <laughs> turd vibes. Right. And, um, it, the problem with that is no matter how good of a sleeper car it is, if it looks that rough from the outside over time, people will turn against it and they won't buy it. This is a, this is a labored metaphor already, but the point is that perception of failure will become real. If they don't manage to get a handle on those things, so talking rallies specifically here, and again, you teed it up by saying he's making these easy and unflattering comparisons possible by going to the same venue and having fewer people, they've got to just they've got to stop playing games that they can't win. So if you're going to do rallies, the rallies have to be in very small rooms, they've got to be pitched not about big crowds but about intimacy, it's got to become an apples to oranges comparison. Not a not an apples to apples comparison, which is what he's stuck in right now. That's that's rule number one. One um, a of rallies always is you want a room slightly too small for the event, and so there's you know it, it, you should never be going somewhere where you're going to underwhelm in it. Period. Even if Poliev wasn't in the campaign, you would not want to do that.
0: Carter, I, I want to come to you on this, and I will say for the for the purposes of this segment. You guys can disagree with each other. I do want to try to get to a, a form of consensus at the end of each of these six rules so that you guys are forming this together. So Corey's saying, listen, you stop playing games you can't win. You go with smaller rooms, make it about in- intimacy, apples to oranges, slightly smaller events. There's an argument out there that says Jean-Trey's just fucking scrap rallies altogether. He's a game he's not going to win regardless. But I want to get your take, Carter. Are you agreeing with Corey or are you going in a different direction?
2: Corey is wrong. You were right. Scrap all the rallies. Never do a rally. (laughs) He can do coffee parties. He can do virtual gatherings. He can do, um, you know, picnics in the park. He is not allowed to do a rally ever again. This last one with the empty, you know, you called the, you, you charitably said one in a hundred. That implied there were people there. Um, (laughs) It was a, it was a disaster. Um, don't do, don't play on your opponent's field. You know, Pierre Polyev has won rallies. You've lost rallies. Move on. You are no longer, if you're making this about rules, you are no longer allowed to do rallies, period. Um, do like, seriously, there's all kinds of other techniques and tactics that he can use. Uh, almost all of them, by the way, are better than rallies at actually selling memberships, bringing people on, making them feel like they're valued, right? Rallies are usually something you do once in a while. Um, to ra- literally rally the troops, right? When you're doing them every night, you're not actually doing the work of selling the memberships. So Pierre Pauliev's his campaign may be doing great by all external appearances it is, but it may also just be that, you know, a group of people going to rallies. Like it, it may not be members. It may not be people who are voting. It may not be enough. And so I would just simply say, we're now going to write new tactics that will give us the victory and rallies is not going to be one of those tactics. Corey,
0: respond respond to this from, from your perspective.
1: Well, I, I look, that's the same thing I'm thinking. I wouldn't call them rallies either here. Mm. And what I'm wondering is what was the thought process that led them to do this in the first place? Because it's impossible to me that it wasn't an attempt to at draw in a parallel. So why would you do that? Why would you do that to yourself? I don't even know why you would go into the rally space, let alone pick a venue that's going to draw those easy comparisons. And this does maybe bleed into your campaign leadership conversation down the road. Maybe I'll just put this out here as a bit of a teaser. But that is a very flawed process. If you're sitting in a room and you're saying, oh, man, he's killing us on rallies. Ergo, we must do rallies. It's Let's not the
0: same fucking room. Yeah, yeah, it's it's
1: not very different from when we talk about ballot questions. And, and you are losing when you're playing the other guy's game. The other guy picks that game because they're good at it. Don't play their game. Play your own game. And um, this this was just this was bad judgment
0: uh, beyond anything else. Can we say that you guys have landed in no longer doing rallies that maybe experiment with other tactics? But don't don't to to Corey's point, make it to apples, to oranges, to Carter's point. You're no longer allowed to do rallies in the conventional form.
2: You can do the second most the big the second biggest rally ever in Canadian political history. But if Polly has done one that's bigger, it no longer counts right mm. so you have to drop the tactic the tactic is not yours to win change the rules of the game right if you play the rule if you change if you keep playing politics by the opposition's rules you lose politics you got to change the rules of the game that's and that's what you know successful campaigns have been doing forever and pierre you know uh Charest campaign and we'll get down to point 6 at some point but cherez campaign does not appear to be successful
0: Corey, you want to react to that before we move on to the next one? Uh, let's
1: let's move on. I agree with all of that. I I think that a lot of what I want to say actually more naturally falls into some of the other categories you got coming here.
0: Perfect. Let's let's go into campaign leadership. Uh, let's go actually go into media relations. I want to jump to campaign leadership too. We won't, Carter. Media relations. I'm going to start with you on this. What is the campaign's new rule that you are crafting or starting to craft tonight on media relations? And let me let me talk to you about at least one. I think I flipped this over to you guys. I may not have. But it was a CDC article about Jean Charest's campaign and the headline image, the preview image, if you share it on social media or if you kind of just go to the website, was literally Jean Charest sitting on a couch that was meant for like four to five people by himself. And to me, that seems like clearly a broader optics problem, which is what we're trying to remedy tonight. But there also seems to be a media relations issue or problem or snag. Carter, start crafting for us tonight the new rule for the charade campaign on media relations, what is it in your mind?
2: Think photos first, right? So think of the photograph and the outcome from the photograph first. Um, one of the, the primary pieces of, of media relations, you know, like the average quote in media relations right now is about six, six to eight seconds long, right? So the average quote, you know, it's it, like our podcast isn't quotable uh, because we, we do long sentences. We do long discussions. Um, this is, Some of us do, yeah, but that's right, yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
1: I'm sorry, I'm sure you were going to get to a point at some point uh, down the road there, Stephen. Keep going.
2: Photo, take the photo first, right? What is the photograph going to actually look like? Because that's the thing that actually will matter. And he's got the answers. He can talk about history. He can talk about the conservative movement. He can talk about what the conservative party needs to be. He's got all of that. But he's getting killed. On photographs, whether it's the hostage video that he used to launch himself or the uh, I can't believe I'm all alone on this bench picture that you're talking about right now all of his photographs I think if you if you google search his images, you can't find a single good image that is run in a newspaper and it's not like you know sometimes newspapers and, and will and television stations will pick bad photographs to run with their stories depend you know it kind of mood fits right? They they find the photograph that mood fits. These aren't mood fit photographs. These are photographs that are being taken in real time to match with the actual you know, interviews. And it's all people are seeing. People are seeing Sheree literally look like a loser, literally look like a loser. And that's the media that he's getting. Photos first.
0: Okay. So visual slash photos first. That's the, the media relations rule that Carter wants to put on the table. Corey, either mold that or add to it. Oh, I would add to it. I I think it's fine.
1: I don't agree with everything he said. I do think what you described as these mood fit photos, that's a lot of his problem right now. We talk about the stink of his campaign. So the photos that correspond with these stories, they're gonna have some stink. That's that's just how it's going to be because that's how you put a nice little bundle together if you're putting a story together in the media. You want to show Sheree alone on a couch, not with the conservative membership yet. He's not getting the crowds that Polyev is getting. That makes sense. That's that's photography, that seems sensible. But you know, we're talking about media relations, you have social media as a separate thing. But in some ways, I think this is part of their problem. They are still thinking Mm -hmm. about things in terms of how we used to manage media relations in 1997. And this This is is where I want
0: to go in some ways. Yeah, I mean,
1: it's 2022. So there's a couple of things I would say about that. One is, there are the opportunities for the more in depth conversations, Um, not our podcast, because uh, we've never had guests in our life. But there are people who allow you to sit and have long form and have those those kind of drawn out conversations. Uh, there is the opportunity to um, blur the line between what's media relations and social media. I'm not really seeing any of that. I'm seeing a very pad approach to it, a very standard What, what do you mean
0: blur the lines? What, what, is, what does that mean, Corey? Give me a sense of that. Well,
1: you invite the media to something that is also an event that's designed to have those optics uh-huh. that you're then in turn going to be using on social media, right? So maybe it Live is- Live
2: broadcast the full interview right? Live, Facebook live the full interview instead of just the pick. right? The CTV is going to broadcast where they're going to broadcast. Why don't you live broadcast the whole fucking interview? Well,
1: maybe you get away with that. Maybe you don't. I can see that antagonizing some people if they think they'd have scoops, but invite them to a jean Charest bar night that kind of confounds their expectations, has a bunch of young people who are excited about it. Take them out door knocking. Well, we've all we've talked about the perils of the door knocking approach, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. but do it in an area that is like just Trudeau. Like, go to Papineau. And door knock a neighborhood, and just show that at the door you can win anywhere if you have Jean Charest on your side. Whatever your campaign message is, you can play with those things. But those are also things you can then rebundle and put into social media and say, "We hit 500 doors in Papineau tonight," and you know the response was wild at the doors. Canadians are ready to to put behind themselves the cronyism and the corruption of the Trudeau years and have sensible conservative government. Whatever it is, but th- the point I would say is. It's not just a series of line up interview A, do interview A, line up interview B, do interview B. Carter,
2: I think that one of the things that's missing on this, and it's kind of to your all all of your points, is the tactics need to support the story, right? Right now, the tactics don't support the story, and and they had the original story of victory, right? Built to if win. If you want to win, yeah. yeah, built to win. If you want to win, you got to lecture a, and. All of their tactics, everything, every single tactic that they've chosen to this point appears to be showing a loser. Literally showing a loser. So the tactics aren't matching with the story. So you have to change the 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 tactics because you can't change your story. You can't change. Well, you know, you know what? Built to come from behind. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) built built to maybe lose. (laughs) You know, like that's really not the story you want to tell. So. I think that the, the 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 tactics need to support the message more, or can, the the story more.
0: Can I can I Corey? I want to close the bracket. I won't let you do that, but can I re- ask you to reflect on something Carter's mentioned here as a zoom out before we kind of go back to the particulars here? Yeah. Can you change your campaign story in between? Yeah, like, of course Carter, you, can. you Okay, yeah. so like let's talk about that as like a pullout before we kind of end end this this media relations conversation with our crystallized rules. Why? Why, of course, Ken, well, like so- what. what I mean, look, it's
1: hard because in theory, if you're running a good campaign, you didn't just come up with the story on the spot, but that story was driven by data. You have aligned pieces. You've built your campaign team to do the tactics that reinforce the story. Mm -hmm. In theory, in practice, that doesn't always happen. And sometimes you need to have a pivot. Sometimes there are hard meetings where they say, "Okay, this isn't working. You know, We've, we've got to change the plan here and we've got to go in a different direction. And those are never comfortable meetings, and rarely do those meetings then result in election, right? But sometimes they do, and uh, and it takes real courage to say, okay, what we're doing right now is not working, and sticking to the plan is a suicide plan. It's not a plan for victory. So, sure, you can absolutely do it. But in a, in a funny way, this is a good pullout because most of your list. Well, in some ways, I think your list is almost backwards because campaign leadership was near the end of it, yeah. right? It,
0: I, I, You you could argue it should be the first thing to talk about and might procure more of the problems well, on the list downstream. But ultimately,
1: what you do with rallies, what you do with media, what you do with social media, what you do with campaign leadership, all of these things flow from strategy. And so you've got to make sure that they're aligned to it. Let's put it this way. If Jean Charest's strategy strategy was, I am going to show that I can bring the most enthusiastic people into the room, you can't give up rallies, right? Uh, that would be, that would be so fatal to your strategy that would require you to change your strategy or find a way to fill those fucking rooms. So, and so, so that, okay. I mean, that's, that's the conversation and that's the flow that needs to happen in a functioning campaign.
0: Okay. Let's talk about this Carter then. Like, you know, we will, we'll, we'll put a pin in media relations for a second to Corey's point. If you're put taking rallies off the table, right. And you're built to win. Yeah. Re- rec- reconcile. Rec- yeah. Okay, so, exactly. <laughs> well, no. Like, help me chiropractically reconcile built to win, and we are no longer going to show massive groups of enthusiastic people they weren't there to begin with, to, to, in a sense, to, uh, supporting us. Uh, how are you reconciling those two things, Carter? Well,
2: it's ne- it's never been about winning where these massive groups are being pulled together. Winning is about being in Quebec, being about in Atlantic Canada. Winning is about being in Southern Ontario. Winning is about being in the places that we haven't been able to get traction, getting traction, right? And the way that we do that, we don't do that by doing a massive rally. We do that by reaching out to people who used to be there with us. They used to support us. And we get together with them in small groups in living rooms. We get together with them in small groups in coffee shops. We get together with them. Uh, we make phone calls. We do it the, old, the old-fashioned the old way because it turns out nothing is new in politics. There's pol- you know, all these new political rules and tactics and all of those types of things. But at the end of the day, it all boils down to the relationship you have with the voters. And you cannot write off half the country and expect to win the election. That's, that's how you say, I can drop all of these tactics because these tactics aren't working for me, but I can show that these that there are other tactics. And then you can point to all kinds of other campaigns. No one who's campaigned in the last two years has done large rallies. How did John Horgan win? By relationships, right? How did Jody Gondek win? Relationships. How did Amarjeet Sohi win? Relationships that were developed at a time we couldn't even do rallies. Right? How did Justin Trudeau kick our ass? By being popular in places we weren't popular. Places we used to be popular when I was leader. That's how we win. Corey,
0: react to
1: that. I think that's fine. But in some ways, that's a pivot off of what he originally seemed to mean by that winning strategy, that built-to-win strategy. right? Because his, his – well, maybe
0: maybe he was just it's trying to – It's pivot
2: time, baby. Well, sure. And this is it, almost it's pivot time. Point.
0: If you want to win – He kind of opened the doors and the, and, the, and the blue Tories didn't run in. like I think that's yeah. what ended up happening.
2: Yeah, so
1: if you want to win,
0: it's time to be normal
1: again, right? We, It's great that he's filling those rooms with those people. If you want Canada to go down the road of the United States, but if you want Canada to be that severely normal, middle-of-the-road Commonwealth country,
0: Jean Charest your guy. Okay, let's hold on, because that's message and that story, and that's next. Let's, let's yep. wrap up the rules on media relations, right? So just to summarize, we've got our no longer allowed to do rallies slash apples to oranges comparison on rallies we've got that sort of rule crystallized what is the rule that we want to have for media relations i got carter's think visuals first i got cory's rules about opportunities for in-depth conversations focus on those blur the lines of media relations social media intermediate media etc uh design those for optics uh show that you can win in other ways is there anything else we want to add to the to the, the where this is going out tonight and you know, at midnight tonight, we hit send on this email to all the organizers, to all six of them,
1: and I mean, we say, I, "I worked with Stephen. I feel like I'm the guy who's going to have to write this at the <laughs> yeah, end of the day. Corey, you're yeah, going you to write-
2: get it done before tomorrow morning. Um, <laughs> well, it needs to go." With that being said, Corey, put that put that hat back on. I get Zane and say, to do it. I'll ra- sign it. Ra- ra- yeah, you'll get it. 80
0: <laughs> percent of the way there. Uh, wrap the bow on this. Is there anything else you want to add to crystallize this or underline, Corey, on media relations before we move to to messaging and, and handlers and, and such before that?
1: Yeah. I, again, and, and I'm not trying to be curt or snarky but i would get somebody who has a much more modern view of media relations involved more deeply than it appears they have at this point it does feel a little bit old school and it's time to at least play with new school and see what you could potentially do with media relations that um that goes further afield than ctv global cbc and the like
0: new school on media relations carter what else you're adding or what else do you want to clarify uh, or underline
2: I just think that uh, I I just want to add to one of the things that Corey said. I mean, I do think that he should do literally every podcast, right? Every political podcast across the country, except ours, Uh, because I think that, you know, we don't need another guy, frankly. We're good.
0: Yeah. I mean, three white dudes. We don't need another.
2: Uh, Let's move
0: on to our next one, Corey. (laughs) Handlers and aides. Now, there's a reason I put this one on there. It kind of goes to the visuals of the last one. He kind of seems alone all the time. Yeah. Like he, 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 It was from him at the Nova Scotia airport, the Halifax airport in Nova Scotia, looking for his baggage that one of the first days of the of the campaign as it lodged to this clip. Uh, to It just seems like no one is around him like there's and it seems awkward from a visual perspective. So I want to see if you've got a new rule for Jean Charest could be as simple as you better fucking have people around you, but around handlers, aides, new rule on that for you, Corey, what do you want to start with? Well, maybe the nuts and bolts are that broken, and
1: that's a big challenge for him. Uh, Maybe his handlers aren't doing a very good job, but I think that is one of the hardest things to assess from a distance, Mm. right? I don't know what kind of relationships he's got, whether they are pulling people towards him, whether they know the names of the people that he's talking to. That's entirely beyond my reach. It's definitely the case that he's allowed himself to get into, it feels like a disproportionate number of those photographs, but let's be clear. If you are looking for that photograph that, as Carter put it, that mood fit, and you're following a guy for an hour, you're going to get that photograph. You're yeah. going to get that photograph if you want to. So it's, it's not entirely clear to me that's the challenge. Now, if he's out there hmm. 99 minutes out of 100 looking like he's lost and sad, yeah, you've got a problem with handlers. But I just I can't assess yeah. that from where I am. Well,
0: I, I guess I guess it kind of you're right, Corey. It plays into a story. Because Carter said he looks like a loser, I'd add he also looks kind of like a loner if you want to add those two into the mix. And I guess maybe rather than what needs to be rectified, maybe I should ask you guys, what are your conventional rules around handlers and aides for the principal or for the candidate? Carter, you know, how do you and how have you historically ensured your candidate going into a crowd, going into an event doesn't look like a loser or a loner in a sense? So talk to me about that from a baseline perspective. (laughs) And then we could see if there's any adjustments needed to be made for the Charest campaign.
2: I think that there's an actual formula that it's worked for Jean Chiré. Um Jean Charest is not an unknown politician. He's not someone who's just magically appearing out of nowhere. He has always been accompanied by his wife. And when his wife is with him, uh, they are a star couple. Mm. Um, she is just as talented as him. Uh, they are... Uh, they look great together in photographs. She's, uh, you know, they, they look strong. They look like they're well-connected. And when she's not there, he looks weaker. Um, And that's, you know, that's one way that he's done it in the past. And I would suggest that that is the way that they should be uh, pulling this back out. I mean, this isn't a, a new thing. I mean, Joe Clark used to be seen with Maureen McTeer, you know, at every opportunity. Every photograph, you know, f- the best photographs of Joe Clark featured Maureen. Um, you know, some politicians go a different way, you know, other politicians don't include their spouses, but in this particular case, they have been a political, uh, partnership and that political partnership pays dividends and talk about an easy way to get out from this story, but just by putting her in the photographs, if she's with him, it makes sense. If you're trying to do this with handlers, it doesn't make sense, mm. right? Like a 23 a year old, uh, woman who's, you know, with him carrying his bag looks shitty um, a twenty-three-year-old boy, you know, male doing that as well doesn't look like you've got the star team. Um, maybe you know, maybe put Mike Coates with him more frequently. This is this maybe is actually put my question. Tasha Carradine with mm-hmm. him more more frequently.
0: This was actually going to be my question because I had age diversity question mark. Like, is the optics of of handlers? Does he want to contrast with like, hey, like I've got young people on my team. This is vibrant. This is like there's a vitality to this thing. There's maybe even like an explicit diversity to it. Or does he want to go into the more like the gray haired sort of like old school way of of doing this, Carter, from your perspective?
2: Well, I mean, I think that his, I think that your past knew now, right? Like if he came in and he was always surrounded by, you know, like the Patrick Brown strategy, right? Patrick Brown strategy is, I'm going to go into all the visible minority groups. and I'm going to show the strength and power that I have within those visible minority groups. If he had done that, That could have worked really well. He chose not to. Now, anything you do that isn't dropping his wife in is going to look like a play. Dropping his wife in does look like a play too, but at least it's a standard play that people expect. So you may as well go back to the standard play that people, people expect.
0: Corey, I want your thoughts on this.
1: Well, look, here's what I can say about a handler. Most of the time, the job of a handler is more pulling the principal away. From people than it is finding them especially if you're like a former premier or something like that right there should be no problem with people wanting to come up and fill the space around him and ask him questions and talk to him here and you can't tell me that people aren't coming up to him and you can't tell me that he's uncomfortable enough that he would just sit back and not go and have those conversations He's, he's not a faceless backbencher nervous of his own shadow who's just been elected for the first time he's so seasoned he's been involved in quebec politics Forever. I mean, the guy was at one point like what, the the youngest cabinet minister ever? In his late twenties. Yeah. 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 And now and now he is uh, you know, he's got all of those years of experience in between from being leader of the PCs, premier of Quebec, and everything in between. So I, I don't know. I like I just sort of almost fundamentally reject that the problem is he can't find people to be around, right? Uh and if he's not I don't think he needs to roll with an entourage, he's a he's a well known politician in terms of what that dynamic should look like in in terms of the handlers who are with them and and what have you, I sure wouldn't go overboard with it. Like, Mm. do you want to have three people rolling with them at all of the time? No, there's going to be one aide who's there, who's assisting at any given time. Um, But again, this goes back to, I just can't really assess it from the outside. Like I'm, I'm trying to imagine a scenario where it is, it is the handler's fault, right? Like, Saying, "Excuse me, Mister Shere, I've just got to go to Alamo and get our rental car. I forgot to get one before we go." Right? You just stay here. You stay here and try to try to look inconspicuous. Right? Try to look awkward if you can. Like, how yeah, is it their fucking yeah. fault? It's not their fault. Like, it, you know, this is like one of these fifth order effects. If the campaign is having problems on this front,
0: Carter, you you put anyone to respond to this?
2: Yeah, I mean, I just think that you know, anything too dramatic is going to be seen like the last thing you want to do is put him in, you know, everywhere he arrives, there's going to be six people, you know, like he arrives at the airport and there's six people. Oh yeah. You know, cheering and those types of things. Yeah. That sounds fucking tragic. That
1: does. Yeah. The
2: simplest, the the simplest thing is to, is to go back to basics. Right. Um, And I would suggest the two simple, the two things that would look the best is either put him with Tasha, you know, his campaign co-chair and, emphasize, and she's been emphasized through the media, uh-huh. but she's not been with him or put him with his wife. Both of those are better photographs than the ones that you're getting. And both of them, having them kind of in the same frame both make sense.
0: I think we've got our rule. Corey will fix this up for us, right? He'll just type one it later. <laughs> he'll fix it up yeah, He'll fix it, it up He'll do editing. a nice yeah. little deck. It'll be nice little graphics for us. <laughs> <And> <laughs> yeah, the morning, do, baby. It'll, be, it'll be amazing. The,
2: de- the deck will have no nothing to do with the discussion, and I'll just have to fucking wing it, yeah, because be the good graphic good. will show uh, up okay. the Cray supercomputer, and I'll just be like, well, that makes sense. Carter, Carter- I'll will present the deck tomorrow
0: morning. Carter will actually do a presentation morning.
2: Hawks are beating the Sydney Swans, and I'm not sure what to do with it Neither
0: do I. I mean, listen, it's confusing me just as much. Every Anzac Day, am I right? I mean, just... (laughs) Every end, exactly. Did you know Barry Season 3 is coming out? Just so you guys know. Uh, (laughs) Corey. message. You guys have hit on this, and I actually want to start with story. You said it's possible to change the story. You even hinted at what that new Jean Sheree story should be. Yeah, built to wins the slogan, etc. But there's a story around sanity versus insanity that you started to go on. I don't want to lead you down there, but if you're going there, what's the rule for the Sheree campaign you're putting in the memo tonight around our story? And if I can say story slash ballot box question. What is something you're now getting me as an organizer receiving this memo today to say, this is what I need you to snap into focus about what we're trying to do here?
1: Yeah, I, I think there are ways you can nudge it, still playing with it, but the idea of built to win, yes, we want a party built to win, we want a country built to win. We can't go down the path the United States has gone on here. We need uh, you know, pragmatic government, not not government by shitpost, not government by angry meme, not government by how can I get on the front page of, uh, what is that, uh, you know, uh, the rebel? I suppose it's not the one I was reaching for, but it'll do. So the post millennial, the, the post millennial, that's exactly what I was going for. <laughs> Thank you. So yeah. that, that's the, that's the nudge. That's the slight pivot. I wouldn't use built to win anymore. I would talk a lot more about a, uh, you know, being a, uh, you know, I wouldn't use the word moderate, but I would, I would say pragmatic government for the people, or something to that effect.
0: Carter, what's the what's the what's the story in the ballot box question you're trying to frame now? If in that memo tonight to all organizers, all leadership in the campaign,
2: I think it's victory. Um, so the built to win was originally described as kind of how he could win the leadership, or I'm sorry, how he would win the next election, the next election, yeah. right? Uh, and that next election was kind of this this far away thing that that maybe didn't capture people's attention. Now it's about how will I actually win? And I think I can incorporate the message that, that Corey is talking about as well, which is, you know, this is about sanity. This is about, you know, do we want to be Le Pen who, you know, great, Grant grew the, the vote but lost. Um, the conservatives that have moved to the right, moved to the right, and moved to the right to win those leaderships have lost every single time. Right, we haven't won since Stephen Harper, and Stephen Harper didn't move. Stephen Harper was Stephen Harper. We need someone who's not doing that. We need someone who who is going, who understands how to win in Quebec. We we need someone who understands victory. Period. And that's what we need to put together. Um, so it's it's not a story now built to win. It's a story of victory. I can win this leadership. I can, if I win this leadership, I can win the election. Carter, in that, because ne- they, they assumed this first one before, now I'm not letting them assume it anymore. Well, uh, look, uh, crystallize it a
0: bit more for me. In the document is the phrase, it's a confidential document, multiple passwords, in the, is the phrase, our ballot box question is, dot, dot, dot. Complete that sentence for me, Carter. Uh, <clears throat> our
2: ballot box question is do you want to win? Does, does this conservative party want to win elections? Period. Question mark. Right. If you want to win elections and you have to pick John Charest or someone like him, but you can't pick Pierre poliev And the reason for that, the answer is, you know, and, and the answer can be, do you want to win or do you want to be insane? I mean, you could, in fact, build it that way. And, and to, to incorporate some of you know, like so, my Joe Clark question in two thousand and one, or whatever it was, two thousand, was: Do you want the right honorable Joe Clark, or what's his name? You can build a what an either or question into your ballot box question. It can work. So it could be: Do you want um the, what's his name? By the way, Eric Lowther. I do know his name is literally, or what's his name? Um, this could be: Do you want to do you want to position the Conservative Party for victory, or do you want to continue with four more years of insanity,
0: Corey? React to that. And then that same question to you in this confidential memo, our ballot box question is dot, dot, dot hard is this. Do you want to win or do you want to be insane? Or do you want a form of insanity to continue? What's yours? What are you building off of what, what you just heard from Carter?
1: Are we fighting to win the extremes or to win government or, or some version of that? Right. And I think in there is a lot of the the sentiments that Steven's mm-hmm. talking about. Uh, and, it builds off of some of the things Sheree said in terms of it should be disqualifying to hang out with people who say they want to overturn an elected government. It should be disqualifying to suggest that um, that you're going to break down all of the barriers that exist uh, between politicians and the central bank, for example. But here we are, We're, we are in extreme times where uh, there are people who are more More enthusiastic about winning the praise and the applause of extremists in the United States and Europe than they are about winning the government of Canada.
2: That's pretty good.
0: You like that, Carter?
2: Yep. Carter, I need... It's a little longish. But, you know, it's a good it. Carter, Carter will tighten it
0: up. Yeah, we will tighten it up <laughs> yeah, for the deck tomorrow. <laughs> I'll it up. Uh, Carter will be doing a, a PowerPoint uh, <laughs> webinar for all Patreon subscribers uh, tomorrow morning. Uh, so if they yeah. uh, if they increase, uh, I'm just committing you to this, Carter. You're not doing just, it, no, but uh, you won't just, show up.
2: Just the just the advisors to Carter, Carter and Corey. Uh, we should a, a month, new, maybe.
0: We should actually create a new category called advisors to Sheree. Might be a quicker way for him to get some advisors. <laughs> uh, I, <laughs> okay, I need to I need to have your thoughts on another part of the message, which is Sheree's been playing a bit of pundit himself. At least I've noticed it this way, Carter. I'll start with you on this. He's been his his message on uh, Paulding's rally size has been. Well, Maxime Bernier had big rallies and we've seen that being the front runner isn't necessarily favorable if you look back on history. How did that turn out for Maxime Bernier? It's kind of a I guess it makes sense, but it's a line that perhaps the one of the three of us would say if we were stumping for Sheree as a pundit or as a as a surrogate. What do you kind of think his line on his shield and perhaps turning it into a sword on message should be around uh, all the advantages that Polyev has? And what his campaign should be saying. So, if you're crystallizing, constructing something for the team tonight, say, guys, this is your sword and your shield. When asked about rally size and why is our, why ours are so anemic, or asked about social media and why our social media capacity is so shit, what are you kind of inserting on that side of things for the troops, Carter, uh, to communicate to them as a rule tonight?
2: The problem with populism is it 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 goes to where the people already are. I mean, you can draw a big big rally. I mean. There was a lot of people who went to the uh, the, the 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 truckers rally. There's a lot of people who went to the anti-vaccination rallies. There's a lot of people who've been protesting every weekend. Pierre Polivyev drawing those people who are already going to those things out to a rally. This is not a surprise. They've been going to rallies for a year and a half, but those people are isolated. Those people aren't the majority. And if you want to reach the majority, you don't try and do a rally to bring out you know to bring them out. You reach them in the small groups. You reach them where, where they are. Campaigning where people live and work and play, that's the politics of power. What Pierre's doing is the politics of populism. And that type of populist politics doesn't generate actual good government.
0: Politics of power versus the pol- politics of populism. I like that. Corey, if you are adding a note to what Carter said or, or molding a bit of what Carter said in that memo tonight for the troops regarding our rally size and our social media presence. What are you telling them? What's our what's our line? What's our angle on this?
1: If you if your pitch is to have a a reasonable, sensible government, then reasonable, sensible people will do what makes sense, which is engage in a in a less histrionic way. I mean, this is a big country, and if you take an extreme position, extremists are going to show up in droves because there's only so many avenues for them to do so. And Pierre Polyev is playing with fire right now. We're not playing with fire. We're fighting for government. We're fighting for the soul of this country.
0: Nicely done. I'm going to move it on to our next one. And Corey, I want to start with you. Social media. The rule for Sheree tonight to send out to his troops on social media might be a rule about here's what we do going forward. It might be a rule to justify our anemic social media presence. To me, it kind of ties back to rallies. Pierre Polyev is killing it on rallies. So to Carter's point, do you just can social media? Do you not do it? Do you downplay it? Do you de-emphasize it? What's your rule or message to the troops tonight uh, when you're constructing this for social media, Corey? So social media is really interesting.
1: And um, when you you have a big communications team, one of the challenges you always have is where do you put social media? Because Mm -hmm. there's this classic division of communications channels between earned, paid, and owned. You may be familiar with. So earned is if you go out and that's the PR and it's getting the The media to come, uh, you know, write about the things that you're doing. Paid is obviously advertising and owned would be the content you write. That's, you know, often called content marketing as well, where your website is full of things. That's communications. People might want to come to that. Uh, That would be owned content. The farmer's almanac was owned content. Mm. That's, you know, uh, the Michelin guide owned content. They put out these guides, people come, they get exposed to your brand. So when you think about social media, where does it go? Mm. could be earned right could could for sure be earned it has an awful lot in common with uh the media which is you're trying to get an audience to engage with it and propagate your story further could be paid because a lot of social media these days is boosted even partially so you put something out and you put at least a few dollars behind it and for sure could be owned because it's literally just the content that then becomes the body for something else right so when we talk about his social media strategy i i would almost want to divide it a little bit further and and not talk about it so plainly as social. Yeah, let's do I would it. be, I would be talking about paid a lot in the context of social and I would be boosting towards people who are not engaged on political hashtags, no AB ledge, no CDN poly, but things that are more, uh, more middle of the road and more, more severely normal, I think, than the political hashtags. Um, Uh, When we talk about owned, I would think of content that reinforced that message, which of course becomes the base for all of those paid efforts. And I would care a lot less about virality and earned. And I would almost try to make it a virtue. I would take on perhaps social media more generally and say, one of the problems is social media gets this really nasty feedback loop, which has led the conservatives down a bad road. I'm not playing that game. I think there's a place for social media. There's obviously a place for community. I'm willing to engage in that context, but I'm not just going to Dial the outrage machine up to 11 feed to get the algorithm. His, yeah, yeah. to feed the algorithm to get a bunch of likes, which mean nothing. They're superficial. They're a bunch of extremists who, at the end of the day, already know exactly how they're voting. Uh, and that is how I would talk about social media if I was the charade campaign.
0: Carter Corey's given us almost a bit of a one on one and perhaps how to battle Pierre's populism online, go after uh, the severely normal folks on paid, on owned, make, uh, you know, not going viral. A virtue in some ways and then talk perhaps about the perils of social media in a sense. Am I getting the sense you're going to double down on Corey's perspective or are you going to try to push your own set of <laughs> no, rules I'm, for, for, I'm for, the, for the and... troop tonight on social media?
2: I'm going to try and be effective, um, so that'll be different. <laughs> than yeah, good. Corey did.
0: Keep going. What do you? What do yeah, I actually see where this like? Goes. What Corey said. I'm curious to hear what you say. I'll. I'll, no, I'll be judge. That. I will mean, be judge and jury. This is
2: a man. This is a man with no passion. This is a man with no. I, I mean, mean I if talking you look about at Corey's
0: here, sorry, Adam. Just either either <laughs> way, either way, they're
2: interchangeable. Um, I think that the problem that he's got right now is he's putting out these. You know, I mean, his tweets make you want to hurt yourself. I mean, they are so boring they're just boring 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 i mean the only thing about them is that they're in both official languages um what i'd like to see them do is is they're boring in both official
0: languages carter okay
2: i don't know i can't read i can't read english um (laughs) but if you if you if you double down and, and instead say okay let's let's go back to this insanity model right why don't we take on some of the insane pieces why don't we get passionate about those things that are crazy The Pierre Polyev is talking about. Why don't we make fun of it a little bit? Why don't we make, why don't we go after him and say, you know what, the Bitcoin, the the Bitcoin bros aren't going to be the ones to carry the conservative party to victory. Right? The, you know, sure, the Bitcoin bros will come out to your rally. Uh, They're thrilled to be there. But they're not the ones who actually are going to carry the party to victory. Like, Go after some of these things, show some passion, string a few tweets together that actually tell a story that support your idea that insanity isn't the way to go. And you don't have to do it in a fashion that that chases engagement. You can simply cha- chase uh, logic and rationale, right? Because rational thought is what you're actually aiming for. So why not tear apart some of the illogical elements that are coming out of the air? Why not show some passion? Why not at least pull the, the stick out of your bag and show that you can hit someone about the head up with it? Because you ain't got nothing to lose. He's not going to be sticking around in the party if Pierre Polyev wins. So why not take a fucking round out of him and see if it actually works? And social media is the place to get it, to do it, because it will, to Corey's point, it will generate tons of earned media.
0: Corey, what do you think of Carter's idea of... uh? Here? I don't even know what it is. Brilliant. <laughs> I, I, mean, idea of, like, <laughs> I mean, in some ways, you guys are work. telling... No, uh, we're you not guys saying... saying yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, go ahead, I, I think there's an opportunity... Listen, if you want to do that, you can do that. It would be really interesting to see if Polyev takes the bait or not. Uh, if I were sitting then on his side, I would say, don't, right? Like, there's no point in swinging no, no. at him. But uh, but yeah, I I mean, there's... I, I, I it's amusing to me. There's obviously a fundamental hypocrisy here because you're saying, I will not engage in outrage. And then, of course, you're going to effectively fucking troll this I didn't, we guy. Didn't
2: say, we didn't say that he would engage in outrage. I was, okay,
1: right? But it, it will yeah, but probably work. It will probably work. <laughs> so the question then just becomes, do you have the discipline to follow up? And can you mm. signal enough to your team that you don't want them going down some shitholes with these people, but rather just put your thing out have uh, a million people jump onto them, including perhaps some of some of the more extreme crypto bros that Carter was talking about. Uh, but just let it hang out there. Let it hang out there and have normal people who look in, see, Polyev says something, Shere replies directly underneath it, and a million lunatics pile on from Poliev's side. That's that's cool. But make sure your lunatics don't don't follow suit.
0: Carter, I'm going to go to campaign leadership and I'm going to start with you. What's the note? What's the note tonight (laughs) on campaign leadership? The note can simply be, here's what we're doing with campaign leadership, i.e. we've got a shakeup happening. Here's how we're newly structuring our campaign. It could be one of many things. I've left it vague and I've left it open for you, Carter. Uh, What would you, if you were recommending a move on campaign leadership tonight in a memo, what would you be suggesting?
2: Uh, I'm not the, I'm an external consultant or am I the existing guy?
0: You're, you're an external consultant. You've been hired for, for an that. hour. You've got 10 minutes left on your contract.
2: <laughs> yeah. The, the guy who, the guy who led Kevin O'Leary's campaign to dropping out, isn't the guy who's going to lead you to victory. It's time for a new campaign leadership. It is absolutely time to signal, uh, and do it publicly. Make sure mm. that, you know, like you, you don't fire anybody on a campaign except the top guy, top guy's going to take, you know, take a walk. Because this is a campaign that is going nowhere and you need to resurrect it. And you only have uh, a few more weeks to sell some memberships that are actually going to be the, you know, the thing that matters, right? And getting those memberships sold in the right places. Uh, Kevin O'Leary's team, you know, isn't the team that's going to take you there. Uh, They've taken you to this place and this place is worse than when you started. When you started, you had a chance. Now you're in a place where you don't even have a fucking chance. So, you know, my rates, by the way, doubled. Since the last time we talked, but if you're going to give me a call, um, <laughs> I'll give you my, you know, send me a note on, uh, send me a DM. But right now, I honestly do think that you got to make someone walk the plank and it's not going to be Cash mm. and it's not going to be Coates. It's got to be the actual campaign leadership. So get those campaign leader, you know, get someone new in who's going to resurrect and give hope to the crew. Right. I think that that's, you know, I, I remember doing a speech once to the BC Liberal Party uh, before Christy Clark's last election where she won um you know barely uh but she won and you know the the topic of the conversation was you know don't worry about the polls you can still win and this was right after my election in 2012 where we you know which was by the way the 10-year anniversary this week oh congratulations Um, yeah it's the day i got fired anyways um (laughs) the the point of the exercise is that you need to give the the troops hope right and this is why you have to ask someone to walk the plank Corey. Are you asking someone to
0: walk the plank? Is that the rule tonight? Is that the note under campaign leadership tonight at the bottom of that memo? Is that PS, by the way, we're getting a new campaign manager? Is that what you're endorsing tonight?
1: Um, You've got to be very careful with that because, of course, it can also look like the, the team is shrinking or the team is falling apart and it can add chaos and that's not always good. We've talked about this not recently, but. Years ago, we used to talk about how people don't often get fired from these jobs. What happens is, all of a sudden, there's just somebody else with an additional job, right? <sighs> so it's your job like,
0: gets restructured in that way. Exactly, yeah, we're yeah. we're
1: bringing in another co-chair, or uh, now we've got a chief engagement officer who also reports to the co-chairs, parallel to the campaign manager, or the campaign manager is now the vice chair of the campaign. Is going to focus on those large donors and building those connections with community blank wherever they came from. And day to day, we're going to have operations move to this new person who's coming in here. And, uh, you know, they've really done a great job on this small digital thing. And we're looking to expand that out to the entire campaign. So rather than it looking like a campaign shrinks with a termination, the campaign morphs, the campaign grows, maybe even.
2: And Mm. uh,
1: if you can point to somebody who's had success on the campaign that people acknowledge within the campaign has gone well, and then either promote them because they've shown a competency that you would like to see more of, or expand that function in its size and delivery so imagine for example if it was online ads and you were only putting about five percent of your spend online ads well now they're a more senior role and it's going to be 40 percent, whatever the case may be but there are ways that you sell the new person coming in uh not as a firing uh steven's thing when you do that you are saying i want to signal that there is a shakeup, a big shakeup. Mm. And there is a lot of risk in taking that approach. There's a Got lot it. of risk.
2: But I think that I think that this is the time to do it for sure. He is literally nowhere and they need to send a signal to the media and to the people. If we go back to our, you need to show that you can win, you need to send that signal. I totally agree that that signal is not normally sent. We, we've talked about it a couple of times in yeah. a couple of different contexts. But this time, I think you actually have to send a signal.
0: You're no longer allowed to do rallies, or if you do, make them an apples to oranges comparison with those events that are not called rallies. On media relations, you need someone who's got a modern media relations view, involves something new school. Think of the visuals first. On handlers and aides, we're going back to basics here. We're either putting the co-chair or his wife alongside with them. On message, are we fighting to win the extremes, or are we fighting to become and win government? uh also on the ballot box sort of question that is what we had as a note to the prowess of the social media uh and and the the um the the viral nature of the polyev campaign we're talking about we're we're here to engage reasonable people we're not fighting to win extremes or fighting to win government this is the politics of power that we're playing not the politics of populism on social media uh we've got you know, a couple of points here, Corey said on paid boost those posts to those to the individuals that are severely normal outside of that political fray on the own side. Ensure that virality is, is almost kind of taken as your lack of virality is a badge of honor. In some ways, you talk about social media as a mechanism. You don't want to play to the algorithms. That's not what you're in it here uh, in, in it for. You also have Carter adding, uh, you know, add jokes, go after Polyev, uh, tell a story uh, about his insanity. And then, on campaign leadership, Corey's saying, "Be cautious, but Carter is saying, eh, it might be time for someone to to walk the plank Corey, you
1: wanted to you wanted to add anything there? Well, I want to actually change my mind about something that I said here. Oh, about what, okay, yeah, but which were you going back to? Well, as you were going through it, we were talking about this idea of promote your paid to the severely normal people. I think that's wrong because this is a leadership contest, and severely normal people don't join leadership contests, so I think the paid needs to focus mm-hmm. to. Uh, perhaps people who are politically engaged but have not historically been politically engaged with the conservatives. And I think you can sell that broader message between extremism and government to some of them, but you may even need it between extremism and a Canada that is not extreme. Like, tailor that message a little bit for people who are perhaps soft liberals, soft new Democrats, and just want to see better government. But I guess if I want to make a bigger point on that point, it's that you cannot lose focus with what you're trying to do here which is mm. to have more people mark a ballot for you at the end of the day through all of that preferential ballot than uh, mark it for the other people. So that's that requires you to think about how things are going to stack together. This is not just a heads-up fight between Polyev and and uh, Sheree. We talked about this on our Patreon uh, special you know, last on Thursday, but you've got to consider... Patrick Brown's votes, are you going to pick them up? Or is Leslie Lewis going to go to Polyam? Uh Like, how do those dynamics play out? But you also need to make sure that you're aware. It's as If you go with the strategy that Carter and I have teased out here, you've got to get people to buy memberships to support it, right? Because that's how you get government. And so you've still got to focus everything towards that sales funnel.
0: You know, and this was a strategy. This was a, a, a memo for the front of house stuff. We don't know how things are going under the hood. This is really about how this campaign, the odor, Corey, to your point, the turd vibes that it was given off, <laughs> trying to try to rectify <laughs> some of that. Carter, uh, Jean-Trey is paying you for a few more minutes here. So I want to actually ask about one more rule. Can I can I ask you guys about one more item on the list, which is yes, de- Lord. which is which is debates.
2: Hmm. <laughs> oh, yeah.
0: I, I so. Um, the, the, the 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 historical rap on Jean Chere, great debater, great orator, like he's just waiting for this. On the other side, you've got Pierre Polyev, arguably one of the best communicators we've seen in politics, regardless if you like him or not. Uh, what is the note to the campaign team, the leadership, the troops tonight on debates? It could be about how much stock you're putting in them, how you're looking forward to them as a timeline or milestone marker. But if you're writing a note to campaign leadership tonight, Carter, what are you saying about upcoming debates, which... I guess he'll be here in about 10 days or so, if I'm not mistaken.
2: Pierre Polyev needs someone to stand up to him. He cannot continue to just simply be able to spout the bullshit that he's been spouting. We need someone who can stand up to him, correct him when he's wrong, and point the better path. And that person is Jean Charest. Because right now, he goes on a post. He goes out and he tells the people what they want to hear. He goes out and he tells people that, you know, the Bitcoin and, and uh, cyber... Money is gonna fix the world, right? Or he goes out and says that inflation's destroying everything and it's all Justin Trudeau's fault. And 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 he goes out and just says what people want to hear. Well, it's time that we start thinking about what people need to hear. And that's what the Conservative Party message has always been. The liberals tell people what they want to hear. That's why they always win. Right? They they, they we need to tell people the hard truth sometimes, and that's the Conservative Party. And it's time for Daddy to come home. Do some spanking. <laughs> Kind of lost it at the end there. Yeah, but that's a pretty good comment. <laughs> like, that point. Do we want to replace yeah. "built to win" uh,
0: with "do some spanking"? <laughs> do some spanking, daddy's daddy's home. We're dropping the G on spanking, right? Just so we're clear. Oh yeah. Okay. No, we're totally gonna, the G. Corey, what's Very the note good. you're you're putting on uh, for debates in the memo tonight? What are you saying to the troops about debates? Well, the first line is going to say wait 10 minutes to get over that reeling feeling
1: you have of reading Carter's note about spanking <laughs> like i need your full attention no, no, Corey, on this Corey, note spanking spanking spankin'. i'm sorry yeah, yeah here's the thing he's poliev is a debater and he can ring like a fucking bell clear and loud the thing that most impresses me about his campaign is uh is the same thing that impressed me the most about the trump campaign and it gives me kind of a kind of a a nervous feeling here we all knew what Donald Trump's campaign was about. I remember when the slogan came out, Make America Great Again, being like, fuck me, that is so stupid, but it's so catchy. And mm-hmm. I feel the same way about Polyev and Make Canada the freest country on earth. He has a more clearly defined brand before he has the job of leader than Aaron O'Toole got in a year and a half. I, that is something. And that is really, I think, uh, a cautionary tale here. And And what I would point out is that he knows in the context of that debate, His job is for that message to ring through and to fight on his terms. And you just scrapping with him in some ways may reinforce some of the some of the messages that he would otherwise have. The other thing I need you to know if you're debating Pierre Polyev is he don't fall into a caricature of this guy. Not only is he good but he can code shift like nobody I've seen in Canadian politics. What do you
0: mean by that? Explain that to, to us. Code shifting is the
1: idea that you can talk to one group and then you can go and you can talk to a different group and you can pick up their vernacular and their terminology and their tone and their tenor and their temperature on Chameleon these matters. almost. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And of course, this has often been like a criticism that Hillary Clinton would almost drop into a Southern drawl at certain points, right? That's kind of an extreme manifestation, but... Code shifting can be as subtle as when you're talking to a banker using banker slang, and when you're mm. talking to somebody on the street using, you know, mechanic slang or whatever the case may be, depending on who the audience is. And Pierre Polyev is amazing at that. And so you've got to keep that in mind. He's not going to come this fire breathing, support of the truckers guy because he knows that's not who the audience is for. You need to remember what you're doing. And if you're coming there thinking that he's going to sit there and say, we should replace the Canadian dollar. With Ethereum, you're wrong. That is not what that conversation is going to look like. It's all going to sound super reasonable. So, part of your job has to be dragging him into those dark alleys and forcing him either to disavow his supporters from his extremists, which will dampen their enthusiasm, or go into it and muddy his message with more mainstream conservatives. And if you can get him down that dark alley, that's when you need to remind people how insanely unpopular those positions will be with Canadians in some ways the the debate with him isn't i think you're wrong it's that is supported by 10% of canadians that is supported by 15% of canadians that is supported by 30% of canadians but all of them live in alberta and mm. you've got to be making your pitch to that audience that uh you know the choice between going the extremist route or going the the moderate route that allowed the conservatives to get overwhelming majority governments in in certain situations in the past like 84 that's the choice in front of them. You've got to keep it on your ballot message, which means you're not fighting about the ideas. You're fighting about the popularity of those ideas.
0: Carter, any final rules you want to add to the board? Or are we moving on?
2: No, I think that was good. Corey, I any, actually liked what Corey said. Any other rules? Which is annoying, yeah. as always. Of course it is. <laughs>
0: any other rules? About anything else? We're moving on. We'll do a full debate prep for each of the candidates coming up, uh, an entire episode talking about how they all need to prepare. Carter, you're gonna, you're going to lead it you're gonna lead i'm not even gonna be All here good. yeah i'm not even gonna be here i hear nothing from cory we're moving on to our next segment our next segment insane clown posse cory we're talking about alberta politics oh, because an internal feud battering alberta's <laughs> governing party took a new twist after one of premier jason kennedy's political staffers went on twitter compared united conservative backbench critics to clowns as according to the cbc that first line right there cory this infighting with the same group of MLAs, the Leela Hears, the Angela Pitts, the, uh, you know, uh, the folks that we've heard uh, bickering against, Jason Kenney, uh, Let's just do a check-in. Is, this, is, the, is there any movement, I guess? Is there any strategist lens when you got to put the strategist glasses on? Which, by the way, aren't on the store yet, but we will get them. Uh, strategist.ca will get glasses made. Okay. So you can actually wear them. Uh, strategist colored glasses. Corey, do you see any movement in this Gene versus Kenny rebels versus Kenny um, sort of conversation here as we kind of go on and move on and kind of triangulate towards the eighteenth? I kind of use this clown analogy of a political staffer going after the rebels, but do you see any movement on this? What's what's your take right now?
1: All right, well, let's start with the fundamentals here. Uh, The staffer posted a picture of some clowns rolling around on the ground. That picture was from an episode of the simpsons it was season six episode 15 a classic called homie the clown where homer decides that he wants to go to clown college and this is from early in the episode where he just can't get the idea of going to clown college out of his head and so those people rolling around on the ground in the show the joke was those people were actually on fire because homer wasn't doing his job and they needed his help and uh and he was having mass delusions that instead they were clowns so strange metaphor right off the bat because ultimately thank you for that deep dive cory really appreciate it ultimately what 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 they were actually saying was that uh you know these people needed his help and he needed to, to open up his fucking eyes right so weird we'll start there maybe a little <laughs> beside
2: the point maybe a little maybe, beside no maybe, point. maybe. The point. thank you cory that is the point yeah that's the point i was gonna make yeah yeah
1: <laughs> let's get to the point there is i thought we did though i thought that was <laughs> the point thank you for your contribution cory <laughs> There's a couple of ways you can read this, all right. One of them is that they are so confident that the premier is going to win that um, that they're willing to to have these fights with these MLAs because they know these MLAs have no future in this party once uh, once Jason Kenny becomes Clean the leader. Yeah. Right. The other way to read it is they are falling that to pieces, uh, and I actually tend to think that they think they've got this just because mm. of the way uh, Jason Kenny is sort of he's really embraced a bit of a give no fucks attitude in the last bit. Uh, it, it was interesting because there's been a couple of other counterpoints out there. Like Vitor Marciano uh, had a bit of a tweet thread where effectively he said 62% of the membership is outside of Calgary and Edmonton. That's not good for Jason Kenny. Ergo he's yeah. going to lose. That's a fair point. Like if that's accurate and I have no way of validating whether that's accurate, then it seems really hard to me to imagine that Jason Kenny's going to win this thing. But, I guess maybe the easiest way to read this is everybody has lost their mind a bit because they're all in that that boiler uh, situation that we talked about this. If it wasn't the live show, it was just before it. I would hate to work in that building right now. Small building, Mm. tense atmosphere. And um, these are people that you don't even get to sort of avoid by going into the other gallery, right? Uh, The other lounge. This is your party. These are people you have to sit next to. You have to be at caucus with. God, I just, it, it must be crazy tense, but um, it seems like a bit of a breakdown either way. And somebody really needs to have a conversation at some point, probably us. What the hell are political staff doing in Alberta? When the, did they the, become players on the field this way? And it's not this, just this. It's this crazy.
0: That's where I want to lead to. It's exactly <laughs> where I'm going here. Carter, let's, but tee it up though. Respond response to what Corey said and, and kind of give me your general. We haven't covered all the beats of Kenny coming out saying, if I lose, I'll, uh, I'll leave. Like all the little things that have dripped uh, over the little, little bit. I pulled this clown one because I thought it'd be an interesting thing for us to talk about. But maybe zooming out for a second. Where's the movement right now? What do you see the state of play uh, with Kenny V Rebels uh, right now?
2: One of the great tricks in politics is to make something that is old and tired look new and exciting and that happened this week with the exact same people who hated Jason Kenny 2 months ago saying that they still hate Jason Kenny. Um the only thing that is weird about that is that they still sit in his caucus. Yeah. Um if they had if they had any real principles while he simultaneously
0: tells the media that <laughs> I actually gave these folks too much rope.
2: Like while he yeah, tells I mean, them that. Yeah, like at, like in the
0: same breath in the same week in the same day arguably. Step-
2: you can still retain your membership in the United Conservative Party and step outside of the caucus within the United Conservative Party. Uh, that is entirely possible. Um this is a uh if they had principles th- they would do so. But instead what they're doing is they're they they all said the same things again. I mean in a Rick Bell column and it became like, news again. First of all. Yeah, a Rick Bell column? Uh but this is this is ridiculous. I mean is it an insane clown posse, yeah, from both sides, I mean it's utterly nuts and and to Corey's point when did um the when did the political staff become players on the field about nineteen ninety two um you know in the in, it mean paid staff have been paid are on the field, man, they've been on the field since like really since Carville and uh Stephanopoulos and probably before that um but the the paid staff Lee Atwater. These are people who are on the field. When have they started attacking their own team? That's new. That's different. <laughs> we haven't seen that. Um, so, I mean, these guys attacking their, uh, this, this may be the most attack I've ever seen and to attack. So there's two attacks that are uh, abnormal. First of all, attacking um, members of your own team, totally strange. And secondly, attacking gen pop. Yeah. Um, generally speaking, uh, staff and government do not attack Gen Genpop, um, but these guys know no no limits. They hop on the Twitter and they go after people. Um, I don't think it's particularly effective, but, you know, I sometimes hop on Twitter and go after people. So, you know, I'll sit in my glass house and await the first stones. Great.
0: When did political staffers kind of playing on the field in this manner do you agree I mean, with
1: Carter? yeah yeah fucking unreal that stephen carter says since 92 but here's two very significant ways that are new and different i mean what, what are you talking about this is new and different them attacking people internally and them attacking the public and having these public personas where they're fighting with other public fig- figures this is new this is the first time they've been on the field it, you know let's let's slip back to this metaphor here Yeah, if you're sitting on one bench and you're shouting at the players on the other bench, that's not the same as being on the field. And that's what they used to do since 92, since Atwater, since Carville, to use your examples. But the idea that they are now actually going out there and trying to get the TD themselves is mental. Now, I guess the other thing I would say, and that's why I put my hand up here, is this poison that we're seeing. It really reinforces my belief that we are going to see an early election here because i just don't think regardless of what happens on the 18th that that's going to be a comfortable enough dynamic that that whoever ends up on top is not going to want to say i i got to ch- i got to change this up cuz like, like i got a
0: detox or something yeah
1: cuz some they just need some of those people not to be there they need some new people there this this caucus i'm beginning to feel is too broken to function to the next general election.
0: Champ it at the bit.
2: Carter, Plus, go. The, the leader actually has controls in an election period that they don't have prior to the election period. They get to sign everybody's nomination papers. These 15 people, these 9 people, however many people there are that are, are rebels, they're instantly replaced by the signature of, of the leader on someone else's papers. Uh, the, you know, And when you call a snap, you don't have to go through le- nomination processes. You don't have to follow any anything. The, these processes that parties use these are all make believe. These are all made up to make sure that people feel like they're a part of something that can all be undone with the stroke of a pen in the uh, in the actual election. You want to be a candidate? Be a candidate somewhere else. Go fuck yourself, Brian jane That 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 takes two seconds.
0: Carter, is there uh Corey, I'll come to you in a second. Carter, is there anything Kenny can do right now with these rebels in his caucus? Is it? Can, he can't kick them out now. Strategic. I mean, he can technically. Strategically, can he? And
2: should he, Carter? No, he should. He should have kicked them out when they signed the the anti-COVID measures letter. You know, he there was there was all kinds and of time when he should have kicked though, them out.
0: While he fights for his no, life, no. yeah, he's he's, stuck with he's them.
2: fighting for his life. This thing, you kick them out now, and you look weak. I mean, he's got until he's got a he's got a, this right a mind vote. Yeah. He's, yeah. Court, yeah. Court.
1: Yeah, there's like 18 days until the ballots have to be in. Like it's you're not kicking anyone out at this point. Yeah. Yeah. But I'll tell you something. Win, loser, draw. Gonna be lots to talk about May nineteenth
0: in Edmonton at the my I wish I was banquet gonna be hall. there. Oh God, Corey, you're you're you are you can not sell this. This is this is what this is Carter and I are here. That's yeah. why we sell the show, right? Okay. Let me we tell do. you tomorrow at the banquet yeah. hall. You guys are gonna be sitting on a beautiful chaise. Okay. I mean, this is a top notch wedding chaise okay that you guys are going to be said cramped together yeah to be clear you gonna... and me All right. yeah, yeah yeah that's right yeah yeah carter's yeah. gonna carter's probably not gonna show up
2: i have my own um if someone sponsors for 1500 bucks they can have that chaise <laughs> Jesus Christ. You know, whichever... fucking <laughs> yeah
0: yeah they're gonna have you to know, deal just... with it on the banquet hall <laughs> we're, we're just gonna broker the trans- transaction right take up. a couple points we'll on it
2: chip. <laughs> give them the chaise lounge
0: carter listen if you were chief of staff to the premier right now, how would you be weaponizing? Weaponizing sounds horrible. Sure, I'll go with it. How would you be utilizing or weaponizing your paid political staff as your your principal fights for his political life? Because we, we talk about, OK, them going after each other, going after the public, being Netanyahu. We don't have time today to talk about what the remedy to that is in a more global perspective. But if you were utilizing, you were the the, the master that said, guys, this is what we're doing as paid political staff of this premier's office, or us chiefs of staff, to ministers, what would they be doing right now in service of Jason Kenney if you were in charge, Carter?
2: I think they'd be showing what loyalty looks like, right? And loyalty doesn't look like just attacking everybody else. Loyalty says, you know, let's, let's build up the big man. Let's build up the big man and let's remind people of what actually happened. And then let's make sure that every night between 6 and 9 o'clock, you're making out as many telephone calls as you can. Um, that's what this is about now. But it's, it's about loyalty. It's about building up that which Jason Kenney has actually achieved. I mean, I'd be talking about how um, this government's going to balance its budget every day. I'd be talking about how, you know, the, the, the work of government has con- continued uh, despite the distractions. And I'd have them characterized as distractions instead of clown shows. Let the big guy decide what the language is going to be of attack you're going to, you're going to use the language of, of, uh, of loyalty. You, you the wouldn't make them lo- knife
0: fighter, so to speak, Carter. That, that
2: would not Fuck be your no, message to them because they become the fucking story. Every time they become a knife fighter, they become the story for two days and there's no more days. There's 18 days until this thing is over. And if you have five more of these, you know, bozo eruptions from your own team, then all of a sudden that becomes a story for the next 10, for 10 out of the next 18 days. Jason Kenny needs to be the story for the next 18 of 18 days. He needs to be able to control the stage or, you know, get off the stage, which is also his right, which we've advised him before, disappear for 18 days, get the fuck out of the media, um, have your people be the most loyal people, period, blow up four or five key pieces. You know, the deficit's been eliminated. Um, You know, we're putting more money into healthcare. We are rebuilding um, a school system that makes sense for Albertans, Um, you know. Whatever, whatever the talking point is that they want to do, that's what you're talking about for 18 days. This is a great government that has been hit hard by COVID and, and people who don't follow a leader, period.
0: Corey, same question to you as we ran yeah. out on this. Uh, if you were chief of staff to the premier, you were directing these paid political staffers, what would your uh, task uh, collectively to, the, to them be? Uh, what, what should they be doing right now?
1: I would make it very clear that their public participation was not welcome at this moment. They better go and get some phone bank shifts. They better go Mm. and make sure that every member that is out there that is attainable to Jason Kenney is voting and is voting for Jason Kenney and to shut the fuck up. Now, one of the things that I think is craziest about this clown reaction, in addition to the fact that it occurred, right, that somebody thought this was a good thing to put out there, is that. So the way it worked, for those who are not familiar, is Rick Bell teased out the night before, oh, I've got an article coming about, you know, people from within the caucus who are mad at Jason Kenney. And, of course, then Twitter th- started thinking, who, who? Is it somebody yeah. new? And it wasn't anybody new. It was just a bundling of the grievances in, in one particular article. And then the response came of, that's it. It's just the same clowns. But obviously they were worried there were more MLAs who were willing to mm. go public at this point, which to me says... They know there are more MLAs who are unhappy. Uh, I mean, spoiler, of course there are, right? But it, it to me, spoke of, it, it was weakness. It reeked of weakness. It was, it was like that bravado that you get with relief when something that you thought really bad that was going to happen to you didn't happen to you. But it betrayed everything about their mindset right now. So mm. uh, they should have just, just stayed off the keyboard. I don't know what the hell they were thinking.
0: We're gonna leave that segment there. Move it on to our final segment, our over/under and our lightning round. Stephen Carter, this show is for you. We do it for you. I'm I mean, well, uh, well, and that's why I'm gonna start with Corey. Corey, overrated, underrated oh, for Canada. Fuck. Macron beats Le Pen today. Overrated, underrated for our country. The the implications of populism, far right, you know, um, oh. the policies, et cetera. Overrated, underrated for what it could mean domestic. Uh, I mean, overrated. There's,
1: it's not. A comparable situation for a number of different reasons. The Le Pens have uh, been part of the fabric of France for a long time and have somehow rehabilitated themselves to the point where they don't seem as scary to the French. Part of that is just familiarity and that they're there. And Marine Le Pen is not as scary as her father, which is not saying a fucking lot at all. But they have really moderated their language and they've moderated their policies. and, And I'm not really sure... That we can we can see it and learn too much about the right because both it's an example of somebody becoming less extreme over time when we have the opposite problem, but also it's a it's a personality that's been involved in politics for for a long time, decades, right? And there's that familiarity that we don't have with any mm-hmm. of the other players. On the flip side, Macron, who won a you know an impressive re-election because French presidents tend to get a bit of a rough ride, although you know Chirac got re-elected, uh, Mitterrand got re-elected. Um, he, you know, he got 58% of the vote as a centrist. And so maybe you look at that and say, well, look, maybe Trudeau's got a, a good opportunity there, or maybe the pendulum is swinging back towards moderation. And maybe it is, right? I, you know, I, I kind of think that at least moderation and language and the idea that we don't all have to be pieces of shit all of the time might be due for a comeback. But again, I don't know that I learn anything because, mm. uh, you know, Amash was so different. Uh, it was a party that didn't really exist before the 2017 election, and it just—it doesn't have any of the history or DNA of our own particular situations here. Just a different country, different context. Not much to learn. Good. Uh, I'm glad Marine Macron. Le Pen didn't win, yeah. but holy fuck, I mean,
0: you know that's the that's the lowest of bars. Carter overrated, underrated. The implication of the Macron win to to Canada.
2: Underrated. I mean, this is a woman who was, you know, the woman who lost is talking about pulling uh, French troops out from NATO command, uh, undermining NATO, uh, reaching a rapprochement with with Putin. Uh, I mean, this is this is not a, uh, you know, had she won, um, the face of Europe would have changed and the face of Europe changing uh, to the right and to uh, people who may have modified their language, but certainly don't appear to have modified their stances. Um scares the crap out of me. So yeah, I think it's an underrated victory for the for Europe. I think it's an underrated victory for Canada and and anybody who's a member of of NATO. And uh, we're thankful that we dodged this particular bullet. But this this is also uh, continues to be something that we should be worried about. We certainly can't wipe our brow and say, "Whoa, that was close." We have to double down on on these right wing populists and make sure that they're they're done. I don't
1: know why we do it. It wasn't close. He won by sixteen points. It's a landslide by any definition.
2: Ooh, well, if it's a landslide.
0: (laughs) Carter, I'm going to stick with you. Overrated, (laughs) underrated. The Twitter board is now taking a serious look at the Elon Musk bid. I find this story just constantly fascinating from the democratic freedom speech angle that we've been hitting on it. But overrated or underrated after saying publicly that their poison pill uh, was in, in place to slow Elon Musk down, that they're now taking a serious look at this in your mind? Overrated or underrated?
2: Underrated I mean um it, I don't think I can make a simple statement that says, if Elon Musk takes over Twitter, uh we will see civil war in the United States. We've done the discussion about whether or not we think civil war is likely or probable in the United States. Uh, the answer is we think it is um, you know it is far too likely when you see two groups of people um you know further and further apart and and more and more militarized, uh especially by rhetoric and the rhetoric on Twitter is what is positively scary and elon musk thinks it's a fucking joke and it's not a joke um you know there's a there was a post the other you know like the the truth of the matter is i've i complain a lot about people on twitter um that are attacking other people and attacking me and the truth and 99 percent of the time twitter's like hey that's fine and i just don't think that it's fine i think that we are watching the world um spin towards something that is that is going to be more and more problematic and the fact that the united states doesn't seem to think that they have a violence problem um scares the shit out of me violence and this type of speech go to hand in hand together and elon musk thinks it's a fucking joke
0: Corey, twitter board look in seriously at the elon musk uh offer as they say in a release earlier from this evening as we record on sunday night overrated or underrated in your mind so I think that the
1: the the now it seems like probability people are talking about is somewhat overrated, which is not to say mm. it won't happen. But I think the, the the pivot has been a little too aggressive. I, I I do think that the potential consequences are are underrated and may, remain underrated. But in some ways, it's just the consequences of Twitter more generally uh, that we need to be aware of here. But when I say it's overrated, well, look, they're taking a serious look at it. They they have to. I mean, they have a fiduciary duty. Uh, especially once it became clear that that deal wasn't just a random Musk tweet but that he'd actually arranged financing to make it happen if it was going to happen they have to have that conversation they may also be kind of tempted to take that money which is still above their stock price get all of you know go private get bought out and move on with their lives and and avoid all of this chaos here it's it certainly now seems possible that Musk ends up having taken Twitter private I don't know that I'm saying... Well, it's certainly not a guarantee, and I'm not even sure uh-huh. I would say it's probable yet. Yet. Uh, it, it really depends on how serious Musk was when he said it was his final and best offer. Because if it is, I I suspect it's not enough. But if it isn't his final and best offer, if there's a room to go up $5 a share, $7 a share, then I think that, yeah, he'll probably end up owning Twitter now that the board's talking to him.
0: And now that he he seems to have at least his financing, quote-unquote, lined up, Corey, I'm going to stick with you for our next one. Oh, is this a problem, yes or no, for Jean Charest? If it starts becoming a race between Patrick Brown and Pierre Poilievre, Jean Charest kind of falls back into third, at least in terms of how we start talking about it. That the Brown momentum keeps growing, Charest kind of keeps floundering. Looks like this loser loner style campaign is that a problem for Jean Charest? We talk about you know the the prioritization of the votes and where they might go on multiple ballots and if so how big of a problem that's my 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 lightning round question that is clearly meant for a different segment now that i think about it
1: yeah it's a
2: problem yeah i totally agree with Corey. i don't know if you do carter (laughs) (laughs) i don't know if you do i feel like we need a we need a deeper
0: examination on this
2: Carter, yeah, i think we're just gonna think you know what you're right it would be a problem if he was losing <laughs> i'm talking about the
0: vote transfer. is there a way for him to kind of just build while patrick brown just like you know does his thing he drifts behind i don't know what the fuck maybe i'm maybe i'm overcomplicating this. well yeah i mean if
1: you're losing elections you don't win them that's
0: weird hey
2: yeah you don't win that's yeah, really tough. carter
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> final question in the next 14 days in the next 14 days is there a leadership change in the Jean Chiré campaign, yes or no?
2: Uh, there should be, which means there will not be. <laughs>
0: Corey, in the next 14 days, is there a leadership change on the Jean Chiré campaign?
1: Yeah, but it won't be the dramatic. It'll be the subtle.
2: We're going to leave it
0: there. That is a wrap on episode 985 of The Strategist. My name is Zane Velji. With me, as always, Corey Hogan, Stephen Carter, and we'll see you next time.
1: Hey, thanks for listening to episode 985 of The Strategists. If you're looking for more content, why not head over to thestrategistpatreon.com and sign up for as little as $6 a month to get our Thursday episodes, plus any special episodes we do. $10 a month gets you access to live streams, and $20 a month, I don't think it really gets you much, but uh, you get the glory of saying you've spent $20 a month on a podcast that is nominally free. All right, well, thanks. Hope to see you over at strategistpatreon.com.